What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I am trapped in a body I have no desire to be in. And I had already started praying every night to wake up with a vagina and to wake up a girl. And a couple of days later, I was taking a bath and I looked up at the ceiling and I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I go downstairs and I said, mom, I want to be a girl. And she goes, okay. Hey guys, it's me, Violet. So before we get started with today's episode, um, it's a very serious, very good, well-rounded episode and it discusses everything of what it means to be transgender with Corey Ray. She's so amazing. But while I was editing this whole episode, I did notice there were so many moments where I was very nervous or stumbled on my words. So I just want to give you a heads up that please don't judge me for sometimes mispronouncing anything or being confused or asking questions. I was really just doing my best to ask politely uh, to not uh, step on any toes and to also ask as many questions as possible for people out there who may not know some of the answers to certain things that you may know the answers to, whether it's pronouns or anything else. So bear with me. I was trying to get as much information as possible for anyone out there who is listening and is curious about what it means to be transgender, the whole transition, uh, what it means to feel like they're in the wrong body, um, identity issues and all those things. So we, did, we do discuss a lot so I'm giving you a trigger warning here as well before we get the episode started. But yes, I am very excited for this episode and I can't wait for you guys to get to know Corey and I can't wait for you to listen to this interview. So let's get started. Hi guys, I'm Val Benson. Welcome to another episode of Too Talk To Be Crazy with me on every Thursday. Today, my special guest that I'm so excited to have is Corey Ray. Welcome. Thank you. Okay, so like a little bit about Corey and who she is. Corey and I actually met at um, my friend, Christine Quinn. She's from Selling Sunset and she was on my podcast before as well. So we met at Christine Queen, Quinn's event. We sat at the same table and we bonded because we're both Jewish. Yes. <laughs> so a little about Corey. Corey Ray is an activist, model, and storyteller based in Los Angeles. She's She was born transgender and started her physical transition in 2009 when she was 15 years old. She's also an executive producer on Quinn. Queen, fuck. Sorry, I I'm going to be honest with you. I'm actually so nervous to interview you. Oh my God, why? Because I have so many questions in my head, but... um. I also want to approach them in a very uh, polite way, but um, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I can't even tell you how excited I am to interview you. Oh, and that's where I'm coming from with like my excitement. So then I'm like saying wrong things. So I'm just trying to like keep it cool. No, it's okay. And I, I appreciate you coming from a respectful manner. I think that's like half the battle right there is having someone just come from a respectful place in asking those questions. And I think also to just like, say this now, a big problem in the community is people feel like when they meet a transgender person, 
they're like, oh my God, I have all these questions I want to ask you, but it's not every single transgender person's responsibility to answer those questions. But I've made it my career to answer those questions and to make people feel comfortable asking them. So like you can say and mess up and do, you know, ask these questions. And I know you're coming from a respectful place or else I wouldn't be here. So like, don't feel nervous with me because that is, I've made that my career. So just, I want you to know that. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for making this your career. Like I'm sure so many people have so many questions and thank you for putting me at ease. Like you don't have to, but thank you for making, putting me at ease with all this. I think we're going to have a lot of fun, but okay. So a little more things about Corey is that remember actually we talked about when I met you that you are currently in production about a film adapt adaptation of your high school prom story. Are you allowed to talk about that? Um, I can say as much as I can say. Um, yeah. So I was the world's first transgender girl uh, to win prom queen uh, about 10 or almost 10 or 11 years ago. And I didn't tell people in college, I lived stealth, which means I didn't disclose to anyone that I was trans. But when I did come out and a friend of mine from high school, who's a writer, wanted to kind of tell a trans story, we started writing the script for queen and realized that we both love those like John Hughes, and mean girl style, clueless high school prom stories. Like she's all that. And we realized how cool it is to tell it from a transgender story, from a transgender perspective. And at the end of the day, the trans girl gets the crown and maybe the trans girl gets the guy. So that's, you know, I didn't have that representation growing up. I didn't, Regina George wasn't transgender. Rachel McAdams isn't transgender. And, you know, Sharon Clueless, she wasn't transgender. Legally Blonde, Reese Witherspoon isn't transgender. I didn't get to see that. So Growing up, I saw these pretty, blonde, white, cool girls. But if only I got to see that that person had transitioned and like had a story like me, it would have meant so much. And I would have discovered myself earlier. And I want that for little Corey. And I want that for the future generations. I want a cool movie for them. So yeah. that's where Queen's at. And we're in casting right now. And we casted the woman to play my mom, who is just like incredible and she's a total a-lister oscar nom and we're very excited and we're you know casting the rest and hopefully we'll start filming late winter early spring oh so you don't see yourself uh playing yourself you'll be casting it's everybody's question no i don't feel i could do justice to myself but i really um am hoping to play the opposite of me, the mean girl, because I was bullied. And as you'll see in the, the movie, some things went down with the main mean girl and Corey. And I want to, I think I can do justice to that role to play opposite me. So that's what I'm hoping. To I like that. Actually, yeah. I like that. Um, what would you say a big misconception about you is? About me personally? Yeah. Oh, um, I said this before. I think a lot of people think I'm an ice queen or like a total bitch. Um, but like the malicious type of bitch, I'm definitely a bitch, but I'm like a boss ass bitch, not like a mean spirit. Yeah, you get it. Like I'm not a yeah. mean spirited person. I'm not malicious, at least not anymore. Um, and I think a lot of people see my face and they think I'm just a total bitch and that I'm very stoic and that I'm an ice queen, but I'm actually very, um, I'm very sensitive. So I'm learning over the years and I care more than I really thought I'd ever care about 
like the world and where we're headed. So I think that's a big misconception about me. What's your sign? I'm a Gemini. Um, Gemini. Oh, we've talked about that. I remember now. Right. I'm a Scorpio rising Sagittarius moon. Wow. Okay. Wow. That's all intense. Wow. You're like, you have like air, water, fire. Good for you. Um, What are some common questions that you always get asked that make you roll your eyes? Oh, (laughs) number one is if I get a period, Um, which I do not. I do not have a uterus or ovaries, um, unfortunately, and I do not menstruate. So that's the biggest thing is do trans women get periods? People actually ask that? All the time. To this day, all the time. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So what are some things that um, you think that people should ask a trans person when they meet a trans person? I mean, I think this goes for cisgender people and transgender people, but what are your preferred pronouns? I think that's my question. Yeah. You know, like, Hey, what's your name? Uh, I'm Corey. Oh, cool. What are your preferred pronouns? She, her. And I've been asked that a lot recently, but because I grew up in a time where we weren't talking about transgender in mainstream media, I'm still so shocked when people are so respectful and ask my pronouns. I'm like, what do you mean? You think I look like a guy? And they're like, no, 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 I just, I'm trying to be respectful. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, okay, so yeah. definitely asking pronouns. Okay. What are some things that you should not ask a trans person? And by the way, do I say trans or can, can I say trans or can, should I continue saying transgender? No, no, trans is fine. Okay. <laughs> um, something that you shouldn't ask transgender people. Aside from the period thing. I think the thing that bothers me the most is, oh, well, are you pre-op? Are you going to get surgery? Or did you have surgery? And a big, big, big misconception that with the transgender community is that you have to have a quote-unquote complete transition. And something I learned from meeting other trans women is that gender dysphoria doesn't necessarily involve your genitals. And I've learned that man and woman penis and vagina does not equal man or woman. You can be transgender and have some sort of transition, whether that's um, hormonal, physical, medical, um, social, but it doesn't mean that you just have to get surgery, gender, you know, affirmation, confirmation, rather surgery. It was used to be called sexual reassignment surgery. It's now called gender affirmation surgery. And for me, being a woman, meant having the vagina. Like I didn't want to lose my virginity until I had a vagina. Like that was my version of complete. But for so many trans women, the, their, their dysphoria is not around their genitals. And I think pre-op, post-op thing is very damaging. And what about non-op, you know? So there is, you know, a large percentage of our community that doesn't want to have that operation. So it's pre-op, post-op, and, and non-operative. And I think that's a big misconception. That makes sense. I was doing research, obviously, before our interview, and that I read that that is one of the questions you should not ask a trans person. And to be honest, it's, it was stated operation questions. And I was so confused by that. But now that you explained it, I completely understand because I've thought about it before and I've talked about it. And obviously I could never, I can never relate. It's It's one thing to think you like someone... Do I like boys or like girls? I don't know. I'm, I'm consider myself pansexual, but I can never, I can't imagine what it's like 
to live your life feeling like you're in the, the wrong body. Like, like I, I can't even fathom like, you know, that pain. And I, I, I never thought that it ever had to do anything with people's private parts to make you feel like you're a man or a woman. Like I know it has to do with how you just feel inside. So the operation question was confusing to me because I never thought about that part, but I can see how that can be irritating as a question in general. And people still ask that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people also don't understand that gender and sexuality are completely and totally different. And just because my gender, you know, I might transition from one to the other doesn't mean my sexuality needs to be in question. Like, some people are like, oh, so you were a gay guy and now you're a straight woman. And I'm like, oh, that's no. another in the question. Oh my gosh. You're just saying everything not to ask a trans person, which is what I Googled. That's part of it too. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm good at my job. Then. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, and, and I don't get offended because I've come to understand that not every single person was given these tools to grow up knowing this or their parents didn't discuss it or their schools definitely didn't discuss it. And I can't judge for that. But for me, it's once I've given those people those tools and those information and it's what they do with it, that then I can place a bit of judgment. Like I had this dating experience with this guy who, uh, what an idiot. He and I had really strong chemistry and connection. And I went on a couple dates with him, had not slept with him. We'd only made out. And we were at a bar that I frequent at in Hollywood or used to rather. And we were outside and we were sipping our drinks. This is when I used to drink. And he, I was trying to get a feel because he was from Montana, whether or not he was Republican or Democrat. And he said something. He was like, yeah, I'm good with weed. And yeah, I'm okay with abortion. And I'm like, well, what about LGBT rights? And he goes, yeah, I'm good with everything but the tea. And I like put my drink down and I just like bolted out of there. And he ran after me. He's like running down the street, Corey, what did I do wrong? And I was like, why, what's wrong with the tea? He goes, well, you can't just become a man. You can't just be a man and then become a woman. And I looked at him, he's like, why do you care? And I go, well, I'm transgender. And he like backed away and he was like, but we kissed. And I was like, okay. And like, he just didn't want to go off of our chemistry. And I gave him this whole lecture that I didn't need to do about my story and how, you know, I didn't always identify as transgender. I identified as a woman first. And at the end, and then he thought I was describing a hermaphrodite and he was okay if I was hermaphrodite, but he wasn't okay if I was transgender. So whatever, we have this whole conversation goes, well, for next time you should tell people first, the first thing you should do is tell people. And I was like, you are an idiot. And I walked away and I went to my friend Whitney and I said, I cannot believe that I could express myself to him. And we had such a deep connection and great chemistry. And he still couldn't look past it. And she was like, Corey, yeah, but he will never look at a trans woman the same now. And you, therefore you've done your job. And I realized that I can give these people the tools, but if they can't get with it after that, I, I can't take part in that anymore. So that's why I set like my boundary with people is I will give you the tools because I understand that you maybe haven't had them before, but after that, it's, it's on you to be a person that can evolve with the times. I agree. But I think you handled it really well. And plus like, I mean, 
uh, one of my questions I'm going to ask you later is if you ever felt unsafe around a man. So even the fact that you said you were out at night drinking and then he said the T word and you bolted out and he ran after you. I'm, I'm imagining like late at night now you guys are outside and then you told him you're transgender. Like in my head, I'm thinking like I would feel like, you know, that that, that reaction of like fight or flight. Cause like who, you know, him saying like, but we kiss like God forbid, if you had a different reaction, like you just never know. I mean, well, exactly. And thank God it didn't escalate further. And we were at a place where I was basically like the queen of the club. Like I was always there. I worked in Hollywood for a while in a hospitality job. It was this place called Davy Wayans. And it was you know, I just like walked right in. I was friends with everybody there and the owners were friends of mine. So I think he knew because we were getting free everything all night. So he kind of knew not to fuck with me. And we were like a little bit outside, but nonetheless in Hollywood where there are unfortunately homeless people everywhere and crime rates are up and definitely scary, you know, at th- you know, two or three in the morning at nighttime with some guy that definitely could have taken things further because of his fragile male ego. Yeah, and I'm so sick of trying to walk on eggshells for other men's fragile egos. Trust me, and I've talked about it on my podcast to stop doing that for women. Um, have you ever been in a situation where you felt afraid for your life or you or you were afraid someone's going to get violent or anything like that with you when they found out you were trans? Yeah, right when I was starting to transition, um, I, was, I was probably around 16 we were at a hookah lounge in, uh, this was in New Jersey in a really seedy area. And someone, there was this guy hitting on me and I was so excited that a guy was hitting on me because I had just started transition and I was very androgynous looking. I mean, I look a lot like my mom, so I was already feminine looking, but not to the degree I am now. And my hair was still growing out and we went to his car and I believe I sucked his dick. And like we were making out and whatever. And then we go back inside. Oh, and he like went to finger me. And I was like, no, I'm on my period, which that excuse came in the clutch so many times throughout the years uh, before I had surgery. And he, um, we go back inside and there was someone from my high school in there. And, and I was with a couple of friends, but like this other girl and she told his friend like, oh, there's, and I can say this word because I'm trans, but oh, there's a tranny over there. And he like freaked out and came towards me and me and my friend bolted out of there. And all we hear is like someone in the back screaming. And apparently he like went outside and like punched a wall and broke his hand and ended up in the hospital. And like, that could have been my face. Yeah. That is so scary. I'm like, thank God we saw him coming towards me. And I, I, if I trust anything about myself, it's my gut. And I just knew, and we like got out of there really quick. But that was one of the most scary things. And then I've just been uncomfortable with men before. I've been in situations where I've been intimate with a man and and while I'm intimate, I wanted to stop and I just didn't have the guts at the time to say anything. And I just like kind of kept having sex with them or kept being intimate with them just to like get it over with. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. 
Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. So growing up as Corey, when did you start to feel, at what age exactly did you start to feel like this doesn't feel right? I feel different. I'm in the wrong. Like when, when did you start to have those feelings or confusion? Loaded question because it came in instances. Um, First and foremost, I expressed my femininity from the jump. My mom even said, like, giving birth to me was very different than my brother, who's older. And she knew something was different and special about me because of the release of hormones at birth. And she looked at me and they said I was a baby boy and she thought she was having a girl. Um, She didn't know prior and she was set on me being Julie And she really thought I was going to be a girl and was confused. And they couldn't even name me for like hours. And then my mom's best friend, who I like call my auntie doodle, she was like, well, what about Corey? Can't you see all the girls in high school saying, look at that hot babe, Corey? I was like, okay, so one, they knew I was going to be hot. And two, you know, they were like, I'm going to get some ass. So um, that was even like the start of it. Like, and then my mom, they spelled it C-O-R-Y. And then like a day or two later, she was like, no, it doesn't feel right. And she changed it to the unisex spelling. So from the jump, there was something there. And when I was two, I asked her for a Cinderella dress and for Barbies. And she really didn't think about it. She was like, okay. And then she got on the phone with her friend and her friend was talking about something. She's like, hey, do you have a dress? Corey wants a dress. And her friend was like, sure. And I actually had that dress still in my closet. It's a cute little red dress. And, um, and I started expressing myself and playing with Barbies and I would say around kindergarten, I noticed a little bit of a difference. I was dressing like, you know, Esmeralda for Halloween and stuff like that. And in kindergarten, my mom was like, you have to wear a clown costume during school, but then you can be Megra when you walk around in the neighborhood. And I was like, okay. And then my kindergarten teacher told me during recess that I was not allowed to play dress up anymore. And I went home, and this is actually a scene in the movie went home and told my mom and she went back to my kindergarten teacher who had also had my brother and loved my brother. And my mom said, you do not tell my child what they can or cannot do in their free time. And if I find out that you've told Corey what he cannot, can or cannot do, you know, I'm going to bury you in so much paperwork, your head's going to spin. And she shut the fuck up and did not say a word to me. But that was an instance where one, yes, I knew my mom would always go to bat for me and be my fiercest protector, but also two, something was different about me. And as I got to kindergarten, first, second grade, and still was playing dress up with my girlfriends, I would hear when my mom would come pick me up, like, well, why was your son playing dress up with my daughter? And why does Corey want to play with makeup? And parents were what made me feel uncomfortable. And I realized I was different. And then I moved from Los Angeles to New Jersey in the second grade. And there was a boy that had a crush on me. He just, the thing about me was, there was always this feminine aura and everybody could see it. And this boy like used to like touch my arm and like flirt with me. And we would like have these, he would like at play dates, like feel at my chest. And my mom like once walked in on it and he was like feeling at my chest. 
And it was like very odd, you know, we're like seven or eight years old. And I realized that the boys started to become uncomfortable with the fact that I was bringing Barbies in for show and tell. And it became the parents, which bled into the students. And I realized in this small suburban town in New Jersey, rather than a cool place like LA, that I was different. And then I learned the term gay in like the fifth grade or sixth grade. And I think I considered if I was gay for maybe 15 seconds. And I was like, no, I'm not a guy that is into guys. I feel like a girl. And then when we were in this health class before going into middle school, they took the girls and taught them about periods. And the boys, they like taught about deodorant. And I was so fucking pissed that I was learning about deodorant and not about periods. And so I kind of knew something was up and people kept asking me if I was gay because it was very apparent I was feminine in, in middle school. And I kept saying no. And then in career day, I think it was the seventh or eighth grade, a mom came in and she was showing every student all of her advertisements in magazines. And each kid in my class, you know, 25 students got a different magazine. And by the gift of my higher power, I was given a People magazine and I was flipping through it in the class. And there it was a three, four page spread on a transgender team. And I saw the word transgender and it was actually a trans boy. So opposite of me, female to male. And they used the sentence, I feel trapped in the wrong body. And it like hit me in class. And I was like, oh my God, that describes exactly how I feel. I am trapped in a body. I have no desire to be in. And I had already started praying every night to wake up with a vagina and to wake up a girl. And I saw movies like The Hot Chick where someone magically wakes up a girl or white chicks where they can just like, the next day they're a woman. And I took the article home and I was reading it over and over and I brought it to my mom and I said, is this girl a lesbian or is this transgender thing real? And my mom's like, no, this is real. And she had been waiting for me to say something. And because I was still like playing dress up and with Barbies and in middle school, that's not quite normal, but I was stuck in a fantasy land. It was the way I could express myself in my room. And a couple of days later, I was taking a bath and I looked up at the ceiling and I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I went downstairs and mind you, I'm getting ready for a bar mitzvah or I just had had a bar mitzvah. And I go downstairs and I said, mom, I want to be a girl. And she goes, okay. And I told her all about this fantasy world I'd created in my head. And I said, kind of thinking about the movie White Chicks. I was like, do you think I can go to high school as a girl? She's like, I don't know. I don't know. And for three years, she looked for information and found not much on transgender children. And by this time, I'm a sophomore junior in high school. And I was not the same happy kid that I used to be. You know, I used to be fine wearing my boy clothes and then throwing them off when I got home and wearing my girl clothes and my Barbie heels and like being me. And I was always striking a pose and I was always very feminine. And I was always, she was a, she is a cosmetologist. So I was always wearing her makeup and I became hardened by the world and having, I think the worst part for me about being transgender was having to, besides dating now, but having to get up every morning and dress a body I hated. Like imagine waking up and not being able to put on the underwear that you like and having put on boxers to cover a dick to, and put on shorts and a top and like not having growing breasts like my friends. And then I was a junior and we had the Halloween dance and all of my friends were making out with guys I had crushes on and it was the worst night of my life. 
and I was Adam and my friends were Eve. Like 11 of my girlfriends were Eve and I was Adam. And I had already told my mom, I was taking fashion classes at FIT. So I was like already like telling my mom, like, I want to wear heels for Halloween and be like a sexy clown. And like, I couldn't put the costume together. So after that, she's like, do you want to wear my clothes? And I was like, yeah. And so very slowly, my junior year, November and December, I wore her like jeans, which were baggy on me and her tops and everyone and my hair was starting to grow out. And everyone was like, oh, Corey's hair is growing out. He must have come out as gay. And I just let people talk and I transitioned very slowly. And then in the winter, I met my therapist who transitioned me and she said, yes, you definitely are transgender and have gender dysphoria and body dysmorphia. And um, basically that means like not identifying with my body and body dysmorphia goes further deeper than that. But I um, started to transition very slowly and let my hair grow out. And then eventually I started wearing nail polish and then once I started to wear like chicken cutlets in my shirt and mascara, people were like, okay, Corey's a chick now. Corey definitely wants attention. But the other side of it was like, wait, this makes sense. Like Corey's such a fucking girl. Like this makes sense for Corey. And mind you, there's no Caitlyn Jenner. There's no Jazz Jennings. There's no Gigi Gorgeous or Gigi, who's a friend of mine. And I love her. And she's one of the most genuine, incredible people ever. But like she hadn't transitioned yet publicly. And there was no one for me to look at and say, no Laverne Cox. You know, there was no one for me to say like, yes, like this is my idol. I, I have someone to look forward to. I can see how a transition works. No, I had a therapist and my mom and my family and my friends who of course supported me, but I didn't know what it would turn out and look like for me. So I, you know, did it slowly and let people talk. And I never really told many people. I told a couple friends about this thing, transgender. And they're like, is that being gay? And I was like, no, like it's different. And then I posted a status on Facebook saying vote for me for prom queen because I figured why not try? And then they voted for me and I won. And that's that. That's mind blowing. Wow. Okay. Well, you already answered so many questions I already have, but like that is, I feel like I was going through a roller coaster of emotions when you're explaining this and I'm just like sad and I'm happy. Okay. Like her mom's happy for her. And then it's like, Oh, but I'm not happy in my body. I'm like, okay, I'm sad again. And then it's like, Oh, she won't prom. Okay. Okay. I'm so happy again. Wow. Okay. Um, I feel like people are so lucky nowadays, like little uh, younger um, kids who get to have role models like you and Laverne and so many other people out there. And you're like, okay, so they've been through it. So I'm not alone. Like it must be so nice. Yeah. And I think we do live in a world now where you can become anything you want. It doesn't mean there's still not going to be trials and tribulations, but it's definitely a different world. And it's definitely, we have made some progress and I'm really surprised actually by how quickly the, transgender, this wave of the transgender liberation movement has um, come about. I really, when I was transitioning, figured that I would probably tell like my fiance that I was trans, kind of like Nikki Tutorial, Nikki Tutorials, Um, and how like her fiance didn't know. I actually very much so thought that would be my life. Like I would transition and I'd work a PR job and I'd own a PR firm and not tell anyone and just kind of live in stealth my whole life. I really was not expecting the transgender movement to happen the way it's happened. And we've made a lot of progress, but we've got a long way to go. Yeah. I mean, obviously so long, but I think in general, people hate what they don't understand. That's, I think that is always the view that I had, but, um, I, a a long time ago, I had my friend Shannon, uh, beverage on my podcast. I don't know if you know her, but I love her. She's the best. And anyway, she's, um, 
she's uh, gay and she's been very outspoken about it. That's what she's known as like a gay YouTuber. And she's been in open public like relationships. And we've talked about that, but I, I did tell her a little story about myself. So I'll share with you is that when um, I grew up in a religious country, well, well, both of my countries, both of the countries I grew up with at are have some stigmas about them. It's Russia and Israel. So we can get into Russia in a second because at Russia, actually, I did have a question about that. But my story is with Israel. I grew up in Israel and Israel, where I grew up, I never met a not sure, not even transgender, a gay person. I never even knew what that meant because where I lived, there was never a gay person. So when I moved to the U.S. at 14 um, and I started to hear people talk about it because I grew up like it was, I literally didn't even know what sex was like the way it's, it was so conservative where I lived. Like I didn't even, I didn't, I thought there was kissing, then there's sex. And then the baby comes out of your clitoris. Like I didn't even understand where the baby even comes out of. Like that's how it was. So when I moved to the U S and I started to meet like different types of people. I remember my thought was, well, no one, no, you're not, you can't, you're not born being gay. I've never met a gay person. You're, you choose to be gay because I've never met one. And I'm, I'm being serious. I remember I told this conversation to Shannon, but then I was making more and more friends. And then I had this one friend who was so like, I mean, he was very feminine in his own ways. And it was so obvious that he liked boys. He didn't like girls. And it was so obvious his family was kind of forcing him to like uh, girls. I mean, for his 30th birthday, he, he asked us to buy him tickets to a concert to Britney Spears. So it was like very obvious, you know, but I remember I was just like, I looked at him and my heart was hurting. Cause I was just like, there was no way that someone would choose this life. Like this guy did not choose this life. Like if it was up to him, he would be straight. Like, and I, and my heart was hurting for him that his, like all these years, he has to pretend to be someone else to make other people happy and not him. So I remember that moment, something clicked and I was like, there's no way someone chooses to, to, to be gay or not. Like you're born the way you're born. And it opened up my mind. The reason I'm telling the story, obviously transgender and gay is completely different. So the reason I'm telling the story is that you you can be born ignorant, but you don't have to continue to grow up and be ignorant. So I came from a country where um, there was a lot of things I was unaware of. So because I didn't know any better, I had a completely different thoughts, but I got to develop my my mindset in the U.S. and I got to ask questions and I got to open up my mind. And I and like and actually during my interview with Shannon is when she when we were talking and she said, oh, um, do you ever had those moments where you wanted to be around some of your friends so much and you didn't know why? And that's how I realized I was gay. And I was like, wait, I did have I used to have I had a lot of those moments. And that's literally that day is when I realized I was pansexual. That I was like, I never like actually cared about what people's privates are. Like, I just love people for who they are. So I feel like I'm still learning so much. But my point is when I try to teach my listeners is that it doesn't matter where you grew up at, it doesn't matter how conservative it is, you don't, you can choose to not be ignorant and you can choose to develop your mindset and open up and like learn more. Like you don't have to stay like disagreeing with things or not believing in something or not wanting to learn is what I'm trying to say. You get what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. And I actually can relate to that a little. I used to say, I would not wish transgender on anybody. And I said that in the past pre Caitlyn Jenner coming out, which for me is pre second wave of trans liberation movement. Um, and it's, I don't know why people, one, why do you care if I'm trans? Two, like keep your fucking opinions to yourself. It has nothing, me being trans has nothing to do with you and your life, sad life. And two, 
why would I choose this? Why would I choose the constant uphill battle and the excruciatingly painful process of transitioning? And that doesn't just mean surgery, but emotional and physical and mental. Um, why would I choose that? You know, and I, so I, I understand that. And I used to say, like, I wouldn't want anyone to have to do this. I wouldn't want my kids to be transgender. You know, I wouldn't want, I would want them to be quote unquote normal. But I didn't realize until I, I studied abroad in Amsterdam, I was a sociology minor and I studied the sociology of gender and sexuality, which is also in part why I made this my career because I've got a, the, the life experience, but also the educational experience. And I realized in Amsterdam, well, there has been evidence of transgender people since cavemen, literal bones and DNA, even with mummies in ancient China, DNA of the opposite gender in the other gendered burial style. And I realized that this has been around since the beginning of time and it's become a social construct of man, woman, and these categories And today, not that I would wish someone to be transgender, but I am more hopeful for transgender people now. It's it's a brighter and better place for us. But again, still so much to do. And I walk around this world. This is something important that I think a lot of people don't know about, which is passing privilege. And I walk around with essentially the most possible privilege a transgender woman could, could be. I'm white, I'm blonde, I'm smaller framed and I had the money to transition or my parents did. And passing privilege stems from two things. You either have the socioeconomic background to transition, i.e. the money to get a therapist, hormones, a new closet, um, surgery if you want it, facial feminization if you want it, and then genetic makeup. Are you smaller framed? Do you look like your mother? Um, Did you go through puberty? I caught it just in time. So my voice was just starting to deepen, but I wasn't growing yet. I didn't grow body hair yet. So, you know, I really caught it in time. So that's where I walk around with so much privilege. I think why I don't have the 100% most privilege is I don't use my fake voice. I use my natural speaking voice. And if I did use my, like, you know, I was trained to, I went to vocal feminization um, therapy to like heighten my voice when I went off to college so that I could pass and live stealth so that I could be a quote unquote normal girl and have the normal college girl experience for those four years and the year after college. And I threw it out the window. I was like, fuck that. It's really exhausting and hard to maintain that voice, but also like, this is me. And the only way I don't pass in a lot of instances and feel uncomfortable in public is people are always startled by my voice in either a good or a bad way. It's either like, holy shit, your voice is so hot. Are you a radio host? Are you a jazz singer? Or like, why is this bitch's voice so fucking low? Because she's so little. And it doesn't like match up. People are always like, you're so small. Like, how do you use such a deep, big voice? I'm like, all right, I don't have the time to discuss this with you right now. But that's where I feel uncomfortable in public is that situation. Can we get a little bit into your uh, explanation on your transition? Okay. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Um, I, I would love to um, elaborate exactly what is a transition tale because w- something you said actually uh, I was really curious about that I never realized that is that I guess it's important to cap because you you started to transition before you were fully hitting puberty that made a difference versus somebody who's transitioning at an older age. Like that's so interesting. I guess I never even realized that that would make such a difference. Huge. It, it is what it is what makes the difference, and that's part of the reason why I decided to come out and make this my career because. Again, I didn't have anyone. So I didn't know I was transgender until I was 12 or 13. And then we couldn't find someone to see me until I was 16 years old. And I was starting, and thank God I was a late bloomer, you know? And if everyone could identify younger, and if they do identify as gender or non-conforming or fluid or non-binary or trans then they can maybe get the help that they need sooner and transition more easily. And a lot of the reason why we have so many, uh, such high suicide and um, death rates is because people can't transition younger and therefore they don't pass or their transition doesn't look how they feel. It's a 40 year old who has to then get electrolysis all over their body and work on their voice and change their life and maybe they have children and a wife or husband or whatever it may be and it's difficult and then they don't then their transition doesn't come out to what they thought about in their head and so they're depressed and then they kill themselves um or abuse alcohol or drugs and it's important for me to be there for children and for anyone of any age that they can transition properly and um for me i was lucky to have transitioned because when I did, because my voice is what makes me, me. And let's say I had this really high pitched voice prior to starting to go through puberty. And, you know, before your balls drop, you have a really high pitched voice. So uh, I don't know if my balls were like in mid drop, but, um, but they, you know, basically it, it gave me that borderline of like, I know the trans experience, but physically walking down the street, I don't know the trans experience in that way or, or the harsher trans experience that so many trans women and especially trans women of color face on an everyday basis. And if we can get kids to identify younger and transition younger, the happier I believe that they will be in whatever that looks like. Their uh, surgery or no surgery. So yeah. Important, you know. I actually, I feel like I didn't understand before why it was so urgent to get to, 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 uh, to focus on transition for younger, um, for, for people when they're younger, but like literally that actually makes sense now. Cause like, that is something I literally never fa- I mean, I guess I never asked, but I was always like, what, why, why is it so important? And I feel like you just explained that. So I feel like so many, you explained this to so many people that makes so much sense. Yeah. And why would you, I guess, right. Cause you weren't taught it in school. You weren't taught it by your parents, but at the same time, um, uh, <laughs> 
it's, it doesn't mean I need to figure out how exactly I say this because it's a really sore subject with people. This doesn't mean that you need hormone therapy at 11 years old when you find it out. It just means that you can maybe seek a therapist who then can put you on hormone blockers. And those blockers will block. Let's just talk about a trans woman. So that's a male to female, let's just say. So a little trans girl, aka boy, as people could easily put it, wrongfully put it, but easily put it. Um, This 11-year-old boy finds out they're trans and then they just want to make sure their parents are supportive or whatever, they're out of the house, wherever they are, they want to make sure. So the hormone blockers stop the testosterone because we're talking about a trans woman, stops the testosterone from going into the body. So they're not going to go through puberty and they have time to see if it's a, what people would call a phase or if maybe they're just more fluid or non-binary or if they really do want to transition to whatever their fullest version of that is. Um, and then if they do, they go off the hormone blockers and then they can start either cross hormone therapy or, or hormone therapy. So for me, I was 15, 16. So I actually was able to go on hormone blockers and I stopped it, stopped the testosterone from coming in while we figured out everything else. And while I transitioned slowly and at the time you had to be living as a woman or your desired sex for a year before you could even get on the hormones you wanted to be on. So I had to live as a girl for a year. Then I could go on my estrogen. And then after my estrogen, I had to go through, I had to have one, I'd have two therapists agree that I could get surgery, an endocrinologist and a surgeon all had to say yes in order for me to do it. Um, So it's a process. And again, like it's not easy. And so why would someone choose to go through this unless it's really either they're running from the law and they want to like escape that, which is part of the reason why people are like, you know, you, you also had to like publish your name in the newspaper in your town newspaper because God forbid you were a criminal. You like people you have to it. publish your name. So then the, everyone just in the newspaper can read and see that you're going through this. Uh-huh. A and personal thing sure like that. that. I got out of it, but I'm pretty sure it's a thing to, to this day in most places that you have to publish it somewhere. Um, because God forbid you're like, a crim- I think there was this one story about this pilot who was a fucking killer or something. So we were like trying to change into a woman so that he could like get away from the law or whatever the story was. This was again, like 12, 13, 11 years ago. So I don't really remember the story. But the process sounds so long. Like, couldn't he come up with something faster to help him escape? <laughs> it was like seven years later. I finally, okay, I'm going to escape the police. Like what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, people are wild, but yeah, it's a, it's a process. Okay. So the transition includes, okay. So you're talking about there's hormone blockers, which uh, delays the, um, um, puberty and all that stuff. Then there's the hormones, hormones that are hormone replacement therapy, hormone replacement therapy. Then you also get a therapist, the therapist before you need therapist before any of that you need a therapist because the therapist needs to make sure that because there's a big difference and I've read about this as well there's a difference between somebody who is transgender and then somebody who is experiencing it's not body dysmorphia it's the other thing you said body body gender dysphoria gender dysphoria no it's a difference between gender dysphoria and body dysmorphia okay sorry that so there's a because okay so here's when we talk about Russia so Russia is another one of my Mother Russia, where I was born. God bless. Yeah, great. I know. Unless Jews, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, so Russia, 
um, went out of their way to create this uh, research to try to show everyone in their country and to the world, um, basically, uh, it was funded. It, they tried to make it seem like it wasn't funded by the Russian government, but then in the end, you can like see some areas that's like it's actually funded by the Russian government, and it's basically this whole like video or thing that they have people watch, and it's it's everywhere now, and it shows is this research that shows about people who get mixed up between body dysmorphia and gender dysmorphia. Is that what you just said? And yes, and how um, and how it's linked to mental illness as well and how some people who went through the transition then realized that they actually were not in the wrong body. It was just body dysmorphia. And then they transitioned back and then they just are just not happy within their body. It was like, it's like this whole video. It's, it's, it's very hard to watch. I'm not going to lie. And it's funded by the Russian government. I don't know. I don't know how one day I saw this. It's wild. Um, thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> Quite damaging to the community. And I've heard there's this one trans... Well, it's Russia. Yeah, there's this one trans YouTuber, I forget her name. And the only reason I know her is someone DM'd me, hey, she tagged you in a post. She's really cool. She's a YouTuber. And she talks about how, like, that people can, like, go back or I don't know, but it's really damaging to the community to say that. And there's episodes like that on the show Nip Tuck by Ryan Murphy, who's, of course, done so much for the trans community, especially with Pose. But back then with Nip Tuck, different world. Um, and there was a bunch of trans storylines actually on that show. And one woman like wants to go back to a guy and like whatever. I don't think that that percentage is very high. Um, but that's somebody with body dysmorphia and has nothing to do and like it shouldn't be this people shouldn't process as the same thing with with wanting with being transgender totally totally fair and that's why you need a a licensed therapist who not just a therapist a sex therapist or a gender therapist or someone who knows about this stuff so everybody that transitions has to get the sex therapist first yeah, you have to go through therapy and you have to get a letter of recommendation from that therapist. And at the time when I transitioned, you had to get a second opinion um, and you have to have a surgeon sign off on it. And I believe an endocrinologist who is the person who does your hormone treatments. Okay, so then then you go through the home, hormone treatments and the hormone blockers if you're a younger person. And, and, then, and then after that, it's your decision whether you actually want to... C- fully go through uh you also said there's people if they want to do voice um voice therapy voice and facial feminization talking about a trans woman yes right we're talking about from male to female so so then there's that do you mind giving me an an example of what it means to have a pitch high pitch because i don't have a high pitch voice do i yeah i do you do you learned exercises to like hum to the top of your head like Hi, I'm Corey, and this is how I talk, and it sounds very phony, and I could talk about this forever, and I can talk about Queen, and this definitely matches the little bubbly girl that you would think of, because I'm blonde, and I love pink, but it's not natural to me, so, like, it's just, it's hard. A softer voice. With. Yeah. Hi, I'm Violet, nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine pretending to have a different voice like every single day um, unless you get used to it. You know, some people want that and that's totally fine. And that's what I've learned about being transgender is, and I am uh, uh, someone who didn't know this, I will admit, but there's no one way of being trans. And that's the beauty of people who are transgender. 
yes, for me, I wanted a vagina and to be perceived as a woman by everybody and to be my, you know, definition of a woman. But it's no two people on planet Earth are the same. Twins cannot possibly be the same. So why, you know, why do we need to hold transgender people to the same standard? Why are we saying you need to act, talk, walk, look, be what we say as society, as a woman? And if you want facial feminization, get it. If you want to use your voice in a different way, do it. If you want surgery, if you don't want surgery, do whatever the fuck makes you happy and that is safe for you and that you can afford to do. And facial feminization, by the way, I should add, is when a trans woman I think they normally cut through here and they shave, I believe, male, genetic, male, biological males uh, have like a, a higher brow bone and they shave the brow bone. Most of the time it's a nose job and cheek stuff and feminizing the face. I did not have facial feminization surgery. You're just like fucking beautiful. I just hate people like you who like can be beautiful. Like, you know, those people, they just have that unisex face where they're just beautiful as a boy or a girl. Like they're just, you're just like, why are you so beautiful? You just have one of those faces. Well, thank you. I will say I did break my nose at one point and I had my nose fixed, but it was like, even the doctor was like, I'm going to give you a unisex nose in case you change your mind about being transgender. And I was like, Okay. Uh, And that definitely, I will say that definitely changed my appearance a bit. My nose was fine. I always had like a little swoop, but it was more like here. That wasn't cute. Yeah. And that did change my face. I will say that, but that's not that. I would never consider that facial feminization. That was just like me having a broken fucking nose. And you have big Jewish eyes. It's like a, it's like a Russian, like people like, oh, you have Russian eyes. And my my parents like, no, it's Jewish eyes. Like as Jewish eyes are like big eyes. Like we both have that. Yeah, we do. And blessed for it. Um, Yeah. And I think a lot of it is I'm like a clone of my mom. So that really helped me. Um, Can I ask, uh, do you talk about this? Like how many surgeries did you have for your transition? Just how many? I did it in one swoop. I had one surgery on my vagina. Oh, but other people are the ones who can see they can also go through the face surgeries. That's basically the surgeries. Uh, Adam's apple shaving. Um, right. Did you not have an Adam's apple? Were you too young? Is that not really? Um, I was like in the in between phase, um, and I just like I'm very thin, so like you can kind of like see, but no. Um, and then I had gender. Now it's called gender con gender affirmation. I'm like stuck. I'm like, I feel like one of those old people that stuck in the past. It was called sexual reassignment surgery. Now it's called gender affirmation surgery. Um, that's one surgery. Uh, okay. So you just have one. I have a, I have a trans, um, uh, friend. She's actually an amazing director and she had just her, like, I forgo. I don't know the medical term, but like the balls cut off just for right now because they can't, they're so busy that they can't do everything at once. So at least the balls are there. So you like don't need to worry about the testosterone because that's what produces the testicles. And like we'll eventually do the penal, penis, dick shit. Um, And then trans men, I will say, hormonally have it best, but surgically are worse off because their hormones give them beards, deepen their voices, give them body hair. 
but their surgery processes are multiple. I mean, seven, eight, nine, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 surgeries people have had. That's, you know, from people being like mutilated basically, but I shouldn't say mutilated, but botched surgeries. But I mean, people have at least, I would say bare minimum, bare, bare, bare minimum, two or three or four or five. Right. Yeah. Cause one surgery sounds very like nothing, but I have a huge scar on, you get a, most people do like, um, for the penal skin, they take out a huge thing here for the shaft. So you have a huge scar and it's a big tell, which is dangerous for trans men that you have a, a scar here. Wow. You see the penis and it's just surgery so far behind, but surgery for trans women, although the hormones for trans women don't heighten our voices or take away hair, our surgeries are, I mean, depending on your surgery, but. Okay. Got it. So you had one surgery. Aside, forget the surgery for a second. When exactly through the transitions or. Oh my God. You know what? What? I'm an idiot. And I always forget this. I had a tra- I did have a tracheal shave. It's called a tracheal shave. Oh, the, yes. the, and the reason why I always forget is because I had it during surgery. Uh, so I had it during surgery. Okay. Got uh, it. And the reason why I just remembered is because I couldn't talk for three days and I was trying to figure out in my head, why can't I, why? And, um, basically when you have a tracheal shape, they tell you not to talk for three days. So I had my surgery and I wasn't even allowed to say anything. I had to like write on a whiteboard, but mine was very in between. I don't think she really did anything. And like, to be honest, and that's probably why I forget, like I still have like a, I don't know. But anyway, it's called a tracheal shave. Got it. Um, and I did have that while I had gender affirmation surgery. Was it, um, did it take, how long did it take you to heal from that? I think. So the other problem is like when you have, or when I had surgery, I was on a morphine pump every eight minutes for like a week. So I was pretty delusional that whole time. I don't remember anything. Like my mom always is like, don't you remember this? I'm like, no, I remember they tried to make me walk. Cause you have to kind of like not learn to walk again, but like kind of learn to walk. And like, I remember they got me up too quick and I passed out on my bed and like threw up everywhere. And like, that's pretty much one of the only memories I have from the entire week. Um, but that's it. After a week, you kind of like can go back to normal. No, um, you are in a hot, Okay, I'm going to talk about now because I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm only asking because in my head, I'm trying to think of my friends who've had like a boob job. I'm trying to compare of like the... This is like your nervous system being reworked and... Okay, so I'll I'll talk about it. Um, They do the surgery and I, because I don't know now, I'm sure like people are in and out of the hospital in two seconds, but I was in a hospital for a week with a morphine drip every eight minutes, um, healed as much as I could that week. And then they transport you to a bed and breakfast. I was in that bed and breakfast for a week while I had to heal. And I had to be able to, they keep a catheter in you, um, which is very painful. And after the two weeks, you have to be able to like pee on your own for them to release you. And you heal for about a year afterwards. You also can't walk more than like, I think it's like three minutes for the first like month or so. Um, and then after the first month, you're allowed to walk around a little bit. Um, and then during the first year, I, you get like electric shocks. Imagine your clip being electrocuted every couple of seconds. I would hate that. Yeah. I don't yeah, like yeah. that. So, so I went back to, so I had my surgery done 
between my freshman and sophomore year of college. So I was in my sophomore year being like, ah, ah, and people would be like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm fine. And I had like a little donut for old people in my bedroom, like at my desk, because it was so painful to sit and like walk around. But they say you're technically like healed after eight weeks. But, and like, I was like real quick on losing my virginity. I think I lost my virginity like nine weeks after surgery, which was like a fresh vagina. So you couldn't walk, but you crawled yeah. with that dick yeah. and you're just like, let's go. Um, and then, yeah. And then, but also I should add that you have to dilate, um, for the rest of your life. Dilating is going off your face. Um, is these four <laughs> dildo-y, but not penis-shaped looking things that you hold in your vagina for like 30 minutes to an hour. And you, I did that like five to seven times a day for the first like couple months. And then it goes down to five times a day and then three times a day, once a day. And by the end of the first year of surgery, it's um, twice a week for the rest of your life or sex. And it's to keep the depth and the width of your vagina intact because any, actually any vagina can collapse. Um, natal vagina can actually like turn inside out like a fucking sock. Um, but it keeps it from caving in and closing so that I can have sex. Wow. And not every trans woman, this is another misconception, can get wet. I was lucky enough that I can get wet on my own, but not, not every transgender person is fortunate enough to have feeling in their clitoris, to have an orgasm after surgery, to get wet on their own. A lot of people have to use lube. Um, so, oh, so you, you can get an orgasm. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. When you were talking about dilating first, I was like, oh, my sister talks about dilating when she gave birth. But then you're like, oh, you have to put something up there to open it up. And I was like, girl, I've had anal. I know exactly. I do that before <laughs> anal. Like, I know exactly what you're talking about when you said that. I was like, yeah, I do that. But then you're like a few times a day or whatever. I was like, no, I don't do that. That's like, yeah. how yeah. many times am I having anal? Just like once. <laughs> but I, I do that. 30 minutes before you have anal, you put something up your bum. I've told my listeners before. Oh, and then it's just like nice for the anal. Whatever. I for instance, I had a boyfriend my senior year of college who had no idea until I think a year after we broke up. And yes, I, we talked I about this. We did, yes. And he, his reaction to it was like beautiful and amazing. He just, he was so supportive, understanding. Yeah, he was, um, he's like, I said, that doesn't change anything for me, you know, in our, like, our relationship and how I feel, felt about you. When exactly did you feel like you could, you, you felt like, oh my God, I feel like me for the first time in my life. Like, when did you have that moment? Cause like, I don't even think, was it after surgery? I feel like you probably felt like that even before you had that surgery. No, I definitely felt better. Um, when I transitioned like physically, right. Um, I would say, I don't even know if I feel like me right now. I'm kind of working through this with therapy. I think I lost myself a little bit on the way because living stealth was uh, deeply uh, damaging and traumatizing for me. What is, I'm sorry. Can you, what is that term? What is stealth? You've been saying that. Yeah. Stealth means that I did not disclose to anyone that I had transitioned. So Got I it. graduated high school and went off to college and did four years of college and one year after college, keeping it basically a secret. Um not telling people I was trans, not telling dates, boyfriends, people I worked with, friends, my college friend, best friends, like all this stuff. And um, I was traumatized and, and very deeply damaged by it. Um, 
And I'm working through that now. And I really feel like I still haven't gotten back to the happy little kid I used to be. Like I was so, um, again, hardened by the world and having to dress a body I hated. I still haven't made it back to me. I don't think. Um, But I'm definitely in personality, have always been the same. But um, I don't really, I, I know myself and that's like one of the best things about me. Like even when my therapist, before I really had gone on any hormones or anything, she's like, you always had a sense, you're always very sexual. Like you always had a really raw, dirty sense of humor and you were, you always had the best sense of self. And that I know, and I know who I am in that way, but I don't remember a defining moment of feeling maybe losing my virginity to the boy I used to like make out with in secret in high school. Um, or, um, when I bought like my first, I bought a thong at a Britney Spears concert, actually funnily enough. And my sophomore year of high school. And I think when I was first able to wear that, that was another defining moment. Um, I'm probably getting hit on and having sex and being taken home by guys and getting that validation that I sought after by men. Um, that was really when I was like, Oh my God, like this is fucking yeah. Sick. Yeah. But I think it's until you start to feel that. And I think that's where you're, I think that's where you suddenly, you still feel a little lost inside because it's like you kept, I think, uh, is that obviously it's completely not even similar to your situation at all, but I was born with a birth defect where I just have really yellow teeth and they were really embarrassing, blah, blah, blah whatever. I don't want to get into it. Cause it's not about me, but the point is that, that I always thought in my head, that like once I get veneers, I will be beautiful. And then guys, boys will love me. And then I will be able to finally kiss a boy. And I wouldn't just hate being me or people looking at my face. Cause I always thought like it would be, it, guys would be so gross to have the, guys, no boy would want to kiss me if they knew like my teeth are so gross. And then, um, cause I, I, I've had veneers since I was five, but they were through insurance and they were really, yeah, it's a real birth defect. And, uh, um, and they were constantly breaking and it was really embarrassing. I would hate to smile. And then, um, a few years ago, I finally got the celebrity type of veneers. If everyone has, when I finally decided to quote unquote come out as daddy issues. And I was like, that day when I finally got those Hollywood veneers, I looked at myself and I was just like, I'm finally beautiful. Like, this is the first time in my life where I feel beautiful and I feel like people will love me. And it wasn't until like six months later that something I was just like, suddenly looking at myself and I still didn't like what I was looking in the mirror. And I was just like, I don't get it. I'm so confused. Like I've, I've waited 25 years to do this. I finally, I'm, I, I thought this would make me happy and it didn't because it had nothing to do with all this validation that I thought I needed from the rest of the world and people out there. Like it, it's from inside. And like I did, I still didn't love myself. Like I still didn't think I was beautiful inside because I was holding on to these moments where I was disgusted with myself. And it's like, how can you, how, you know, you have to like love yourself and you have to treat yourself well. And you, you have to be kind to like your inner self. So when you're saying like, like, I, I don't fully know myself or I'm thinking of my younger self. It's like, well, you're, you're, younger young Corey is always going to be with you like you haven't lost her like she's there and she's just waiting for you to be nice to her and to be kind to her and to be like loving to her you know yeah absolutely and what's interesting about myself is I always liked my face I didn't hate my body but I always liked my face and I always thought I was pretty um but I wanted a man to think that I was beautiful And I think actually taking a couple minutes to think about it, 
uh, going back to that relationship from college, he made, we'll call him E um, for elephant. Um, he made me feel like the woman I always thought I was because he loved me for my personality and who I was and for yes, my outward beauty, but also like at 21 years old to have the type of relationship that we had is very rare. And we had the same morals and values and wants out of life. And it was such a beautiful relationship. And like, you know, there's always like, Oh, wrong time. I think I needed him at that time for a reason. Like, yeah, if we were 30 or right now and we met, like, could it have been amazing? Could he have been my husband? Totally. But he wasn't. And it was not the wrong time. It was the right time. And I really got that from him. And that was probably, honestly, the defining moment for me. I was like, wow, he likes me for who I am and sees me for the woman I am without knowing that I'm transgender. And that was what was so special. And now I seek a guy who loves me for me and thinks I'm even more gorgeous for the journey that I've been on and doesn't need to be hyper-educated or given that lecture that I gave that guy outside outside the bar. He comes correct and he comes ready and willing to love me. That's really sweet. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I mean, I understand also why you didn't fully feel like yourself or now you're going through that uh, therapy. It is because that transition is a big part of who you are. Like, and so you're still, even though you, you went through the transition, all that, you're still technically holding back on fully showing people exactly who you are. Like you're still technically hiding yourself, you know? So I understand. So I, I do hope you figure through that, but it seems like you, you seem, you seem very intelligent and, and, you know, so I, I just feel like you're learning through it and I feel like you're, you're going to do fine. And I feel like you're going to get out of whatever you're currently, you know, going through and experiencing. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm very positive in that way and I see lights at the end of the tunnel and I think it's more so I just want to be like, everyone's like, oh, I hate being single. I actually love being single. I love my alone time and I've learned to love it. And I don't think I am ready for a relationship because I want to be my best possible self when I get there. I agree. And uh, that's what this year, as horrible as it's been, um, for me, it's been a lot of like coming back to myself and finding my way and, um, and really just becoming my best possible self and knowing that we are always evolving. Everyone is always evolving and we're always going to get there. And I think you can always say like, oh, when I have the teeth or the money or the hair or the vagina, like I'm going to be happy, but it's not really about that. It's about loving yourself. And, um, I hope that everyone can eventually be that way. I saved up and I spent $50,000 to change my teeth. Veneers are expensive at $1,800 a tooth and it's my whole mouth, but it's a real medical issue that I've had my whole life and through insurance is just not as nice. And I was just like, when too scared, um, too scared for people to, to make fun of me for my teeth. And I was just like, if I did this, then I'll be beautiful and people will love me. And then I did that. And I was like, why don't I still love myself? I don't get it. They also don't. I think that everyone's like, Oh no, like Kylie Jenner's fake and all this stuff. It's like, but you know what, if that's what makes Kylie Jenner, I mean, she should admit things. Like if she's had surgery, I think it's healthier to admit it for younger girls. But like, if you want a nose job, fucking get a nose job. That's what's going to make you happy. Like people are always like, you should love the natural body you're in. I'm like, no, you could love yourself. But also like, if there are little things that you want to do 
Yeah. Breaking the bank or whatever, like do it for yourself. So yeah, I agree. But I think it's inner, it's inner stuff. But yeah, uh, everything you were saying, I agree with the whole uh, best version of yourself. I, cause I think when you become the best version of yourself, that's also when you attract somebody who's also the best version of themselves. And then you are both whole people that can date each other. It's, it's, it, it when you're not the best, like when I'm not the best in, in a good place, I attract people that are not in a good place. And then it's just like, they drag me down cause they're a little broken broken and then I'm a little broken and it's it's tar- it's not good you know yeah, people like you complete me such is not cute yeah no I want to be whole I want the other person to be whole and then we come together and we love each other even more and we bring each other to even be even a better version of ourselves but like I'm not there like I can't if you're like I I, I can't be there to complete somebody like you need to be whole on your on your own before I'm going to come into your life that's how I feel 100% I feel like I'm saying it so passionately because I because obviously I'm experiencing this right now with someone that I'm like you need to be whole before I come into your life. I'm sorry. Good for fucking you. Thank you. Um, okay, speaking of, so then the next question from the site that I looked up. So it's not my question. So don't kill me if I'm asking this. Tell me if it's wrong. The question was somebody asked: Are non-binary people trends? Um, I personally say yes. Under the, it's under the trans umbrella. I, in layman's terms, there's cisgender, C-I-S-G-E-N-D-E-R, cisgender is when you identify as what you were born as. Assigned to a birth. Okay. Not what you're born as, what's assigned to you by a doctor. Got it. And transgender is when you don't identify with what that doctor told you. So you either agree with the doctor or you don't agree with the doctor. Cis, you agree. Trans, you don't. So for me, under the trans umbrella is transgender, non-binary, fluid, non-conforming. Got it. That's really helpful to understand. Okay. Uh-huh. What does non-conforming mean? Um, uh, similar, you don't conform to one or the other, but also can be a little bit of fluid. I think conforming is, in my personal opinion, I could be totally wrong on this actually. But I think it's a mixture of fluid and non-binary. I think it's where you really don't identify as either or you identify as both or you identify as neither or that you feel more masculine some days and some days you feel more feminine and it kind of just switches it up. And to be honest with you, I notice this when I'm with certain people, I feel more masculine. When I'm with certain people, I feel more feminine. And why? I think my ex-boyfriend was so defining for me as a moment of being a woman because he made me feel like such a little lady, you know, like I just felt so adorable with him and like the girl I always wanted to be. So I even noticed like I'm a little bit more masculine with certain people and a little bit more feminine with other, but I'm still like pretty, I'm pretty fucking feminine. So what advice do you have now for younger um, kids who who right now feel like they're in the wrong body, whether they're female or male? First and foremost, something really uh, that changed my life and perspective on who I was and made me more at peace with being transgender was that about the article that I read and that sentence trapped in the wrong body, I am not trapped in the wrong body. And I was born in this body for a reason and transgender people are real and valid and it's not trapped in the wrong body. Transgender people are real. It is another gender that has been taken out of the conversation. We have these binaries of man and woman, but what does that mean? So first and foremost, 
you're real and you're valid and your feelings are real and valid and that there's always going to be people there for you. Like I, I am there for you, Gigi Gorgeous, Laverne Cox, Jazz Jennings, Caitlyn Jenner, uh, so many trans women coming to mind. I can't even, thank God, list them all, but we're here for you. We are putting ourselves out there for you. And that even if there isn't solace in your home, in your church, in your temple, in uh, your school, um, in your workplace of work, there's an online community that's here for you and that it will get better. And, and, and the low times, they will pass. And you just have to stick to your guns and know yourself and do what's safe for yourself for the time being until you can get to a place where you can be your authentic self. And, and most importantly, for all children, not to compare yourselves to others. I have a big problem with social media because I find myself comparing myself to other. Oh, well, she is, this trans person's already gotten this, that, and the other, and this many followers and this much money and this much fame. And she gets the platform first. And here I am doing all this hard work. And it's like, no, we're all on our own journeys, right? So don't compare yourself to others and don't compare your transition to others. And please do not compare your transition to mine. Mine is very different and yours is going to be very different. And I don't want you to aspire to be exactly like me or exactly like Laverne. I want you to aspire to be you and your best self. And just don't compare yourself because you're setting yourself up for disappointment if you expect to be exactly like someone else. And just do you. And if you, I know that you want to maybe transition right now and wake up the next day in that body and be perfect and your hair has grown out or whatever it may be, but that's not how the world works. If I could have it my way, I'd also be a billionaire with a product line and be an actress, director, producer, and have a Hollywood empire. But the journey is what's so great. And I, I didn't get to appreciate my journey. And so I would hope that everyone can just appreciate their journey a little bit more. I love that. Is that what you also tell your younger self right now? Uh, I actually wrote an article. I wrote two articles on my website, CoreyRay.com, and it's letters to myself, part one and two. And I would add to them that like, yeah, you need to breathe girl. And just know that like one day you are going to wake up and you're going to be like, holy fuck, it happened. Like I, it didn't happen overnight, but I became the fantasy. I really genuinely, truly became my own dream come true. And as a little kid, I, I wanted it, but I had no idea that I could transition. I had no idea transgender was real. I had no idea I could actually be loved and have a vagina and have sex. And, and I got there and I became what I wanted to be. And I would just tell myself to enjoy, yeah, to enjoy that journey a little bit more and, and to maybe calm down and to breathe. And to not get so angry, I used to get angry very quickly, which I'm very thankful I have worked through that, but to just breathe and relax and just let things be and know that the universe is taking care of you and that my personal higher power is, is, is guiding me to where I need to be. I love that too. Um, what organizations do you suggest uh, people should donate to in order to help trans um, causes? Ooh, um, for the first thing that comes to my mind is the LGBT Center. They have helped me in more ways than I can talk about on this podcast. Um, and also the It Gets Better organization. 
Uh, so it gets better. The LGBT centers, the Los Angeles LGBT center, um, any organizations that support trans women of color because they are unfortunately the most targeted yeah. uh, group of people. Um, and yeah, I mean, those are all really great organizations that have helped me personally. Are those also organizations where people can reach out to talk to somebody if they're currently struggling with their identity? Um, yes, definitely. The Los Angeles LGBT Center and their mental health departments and also the Trevor Project is pretty well known. Um, and of course, if you're looking for people, um, Reddit, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook groups, Twitter, uh, find transgender people who are activists and advocates for the community and DM them. I promise you, we look, we all look at our DMs. We just suck at responding, but we're there. And if we see a message that we absolutely need to respond to, we'll get to it. Okay. I love that. Yeah. I'm going to leave some links in my uh, description of this episode for anyone that is, has any questions about their um, identity or transformational. Yes. One more, the Transgender Law Center is another great one. They help people uh, get their, uh, and Bet says deck. Oh God. Uh, well, anything that you don't remember legally and stuff like that. Okay. So. Got it. So anything you don't remember, you can tell me later and I'll put it in the link. If you guys have any questions or obviously if you're struggling with any depression, suicidal thoughts, anything that has to do with that, like I'll leave links in my description for that as well. Um, so I guess my last question would be, for anyone out there that wants to be an ally to do out to the LGBTQ community, what can they do? First thing of allyship is education and educate yourselves. Do not, I said this in the very beginning, ask a transgender person because it's not their responsibility to answer those questions for you. You need to educate yourself. Watch Disclosure Doc on Netflix. It talks about why um, disclosing, saying, oh, I'm trans is like actually a bad thing and how we got all these stigmas about trans people through the film and TV industry, which is why I want to become a big Hollywood actress because I want to show people that trans is okay and cool and that we can defy these stigmas. Um, And I think that um, reading transgender literature, doing the research on your own, watching YouTube uh, tutorials and channels, following us, educating yourselves, diving deeper and doing that research yourself is the first part of allyship and asking if we're okay and reaching out. And if you know people who are struggling with gender identity or anything, or you have an inkling that someone might want to transition or come out, just be there for someone. Like, I don't think I would be here today without my friends and family who were there for me and my school, um, who so graciously in a time when it was not possible to transition publicly at 15 and 16 who allowed me to do so um so yeah okay is there anything you feel like I didn't ask you oh my god this was so great um this was like you like really asked wonderful questions I feel like probably so many people don't feel comfortable asking um I think you pretty much covered it all um I think yeah, I think you, I think you, I can't possibly imagine there's more questions, but I'm sure there are. And I'm sure people want to know like how the surgery actually works and the technicalities of all of that and things like that. But again, there's all the information you could possibly need on the Google machine, right? So, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think, I think we got this. 
So you give this interview an A plus? Oh my God, A plus plus. <laughs> okay, that makes me so happy. Honestly, throughout this interview, I feel like I've learned so much. And when you were sharing a lot of your personal stories, uh, I swear, like there were moments I was getting in tears or I was getting emotional. But then I was like, V, keep it together, keep it together. Because it's not like I don't want to take away from your moment and you're talking about anything. But um, I definitely felt a lot of a lot of your words. So I, I do want to say that you do make a big difference and you should be so proud of yourself that you're going to help so many young girls and boys and female, male, whatever out there. And you should be, honestly, you should be so proud of yourself. You're doing an amazing job. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. I'm so excited. And thanks to Christine Quinn for putting us together. Technically. <laughs> I know. I will say you and me helping you said at the beginning, like making you feel comfortable doing this interview, like at that event, you know, I was like a little nervous about everything going on. It was the first time I'd really been out since the pandemic and we were all safe. Thank God. But, yeah. you know, I was nervous and you really made me feel comfortable being there. And you were like the only one who really like talked to me, like besides Christine and her friends, but like, you know, you were like the only one who really like actually carried a genuine good conversation with me. So I'm really happy that we were able to do this and get together again. And hopefully soon we can actually like hang in person and yeah (laughs) well thank you that makes me happy that makes me feel good thank you um where can people find you oh um coreyray.com um and my instagram mostly um which is i'm coreyray and um email i'm coreyray.com or i'm coreyraygmail.com and um yeah okay Awesome. Well, okay, okay, again, so thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I had so much fun. I'm obsessed with this interview. I can't wait for it to come out. Usually, usually all my interviews, I do them months before. So when they come out, they're actually were recorded months before. This is like one of the few interviews that were recorded and it's literally coming out in like two weeks or I guess coming out today when I'm, when you're going to hear it. It's going to come cool. out. Sounds like, so I am really excited for this. And yeah, thank you for educating me. Thank you for educating my listeners. If anyone out there has any questions, feel free to find Corey on Instagram to DM her, show her love, check out her website and have a beautiful blessed day. Bye guys.